everybody and welcome back it's been a while and we are happy to be here providing some uh, some goofy stuff for your ears uh we are the suds buds and we are presenting pints and pixar this is the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over a couple adult beverages we got a uh, got a few on the line today yes we do and uh as always i'm your host eric anderson and with me in studio co-host of the show coming in hot today we'll explain why <laughs> mr nate up feels good to be back as uh as q-tip says in the song check the rhyme grab that microphone and let those words rip thanks for that eric and and we'll come around to that that uh, song has a little meaning in this movie i tried to get nate to rap <laughs> the first uh, verse, the back and forth between Q-Tip and Fife. If you don't know, then now you, you know sh- you should. <laughs> um, but Nate was said uh, his. I think his words were, "I'm not fun." I would never say something like that. I, I think I'm, that's exactly what I'm, you said. I'm a delight. That's what everybody says about me. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, we're back at it today, and we are talking soul mm-hmm. we've got some wonderful soul themed beers to go along with today's episode should kind of worked out pretty well um just because all the halloween beers are out so like ghosts and things that, there's plenty of that yeah yeah so that was nice worked out real well yeah but uh i don't want to drag our feet for too long but i suppose uh we we owe the people a little apology it's been a few <laughs> weeks since we've uh delivered but uh we do have reason. Um, mm-hmm. I'm back in school. I'm busy as ever, in a good way. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is Mr. Nate was... Can we, can we say this on air? You can say it on air. Okay. Nate was uh, summoned to jury duty. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you kind of take it from there, see how deep you want to dive in. <laughs> um, I, I am a firm believer that jury duty is important. Um, you know, people try to get out cause it is immensely inconvenient, like just wildly inconvenient the whole process. Um, I got to spend basically a week in and out of a courthouse, just filling out paperwork, answering people's questions, um, filling out, yeah, like checking off lists of people that are witnesses on a case that I'm not allowed to talk about. I'm not supposed to talk about it until like the end of the month, even though I don't think I got put on the case. We'll find out. I didn't need to report this week. Okay. But the worst part about it is that you don't know what your next day holds until like 4.30 that, the day before. Like 4.30, you call in and they're like, hey, we need these jurors in tomorrow at you know 8 a.m. and these jurors in at 10 a.m. And that's that's every day. And uh, I made a mistake and was doing jury duty in Rice County. Um, and that was my fault. But, uh, yeah, so I had to be down there. I just got to, you know, hang out with the parents for a week. It was super fun. It was fun hanging out with them. But, you know, not fun being stuck in a town not knowing what, if I could work even. 
So yeah, it's jury duty. Uh, but again, very important thing to do. Well, uh, big old oof there, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of a maybe moving forward. You're not sure where you're at. You might have to go back in, and you might just be off the hook. And well, and I called uh, yesterday because I didn't need to come in on Monday, so I called yesterday after four thirty, and they're like, "We don't need anybody this week." So I got the week off. Okay. So I only got one more week to go. But the worst part is, is if they decide like Thursday of next week that I get put on a case, I have to, you know, obviously see that case through. Sure. So we'll, we'll see how that all works. Well, be sure to keep us posted. I'd like to finish this thing out. We only have one. We got one after this. Technically one more episode in the film catalog of Pixar, but we might have some more stuff up our sleeves. We'll, we'll see. We got a little brainstorm in action. Yeah. But, uh. Other than that, I, I haven't had nearly anything as exciting as that um, that's been keeping me tied tied down. Sure. Had a little camping trip this weekend, which was nice to get out of town. Took an RV out to uh, St. Croix State Park near Hinkley, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Quite a drive from, uh, you know, you were- the beaches of uh, the, uh, the Pacific Ocean. But uh, did you put? Did you wear your New Balances? Your white New Balances? I didn't. Uh, New Balances stayed uh, behind. Yeah, I didn't uh, want to blend in that much. Um, yeah, had the Tims. Sure. Tims, did yeah. Did you see any horses out there? No horses. No yet. horses. I Not mean, even in Hinkley. Uh, yeah, no horses. <laughs> All right, we're good. We We've got mail. We've got mail. <laughs> we've got mail. I feel like this is like a a scene from Blue's Clues. Yeah, that was an aggressive uh, mail delivery. There, it was like uh. I can't even mimic the sound, but uh, here's the sound you gotta when it comes. You gotta wail, wail mail, mail. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. I think that's the the, the blues clues the thing. Blues thing. Yeah, it All might right. be. All right, it might be. You can, we can fact check me after or during the break and we'll let the people know maybe we can get salsa dave to just drop the blues clues thing over the top of that yeah if you're listening right now uh it's suds buds pod suds with a z s-u-d-z p-o-d or b s-u-d-z b-u-d-z p-o-d <laughs> i feel like we should throw a z on there i know it's late in the game but yes <laughs> suds buds pods Every time I say suds with a Z, I feel like people are just going to be like, oh, it's suds? And I'm like, ah, it's not what I meant. <laughs> but yeah, suds, buds, pod. Uh, feel free to tag us with the, the, the Blues Clues song. I was going to have Salsa Dave just drop it in, but you know. Oh, there you go. He'll yeah. probably do that. He's probably ahead of us. It's probably already played by now. He's got it queued up, ready to go. Thanks, Salsa Dave. Um, so yeah, we got we got some mail. Should I read our mail live on the air? <laughs> Fan mail? Um at our studio in sunny california that would be funny if the first like handwritten letter we ever got was like while we were recording <laughs> talk about time but it's from patrick i'd retire from from my day job i'm like all right it's meant to be suds buds to the moon <laughs> we're gonna strap to dogecoin and friggin' blast off brother hey you know why why can't we just be millionaires already yeah yeah why not you know what i am though thirsty yeah yeah. I keep looking at the bottle. It's sitting right there. I'm trying to like hide it from my view. Well, this is probably a good launching point because yeah. uh, we today 
are drinking a beverage. It is the unfriendly ghost, Pepper Beer. And it's from Just Plain Wrong Brewing Company. Minnesota beer made. It's weird how they got it framed. It's Minnesota made beer, but it's not how it reads. Uh, we got a 750 here. And they're located in Minneapolis. Weird. Oh, it's a... Uh, they must be contract brewed. Must be. I Brewed. I'm curious where that address brings us to. But brewed at uh, 701 North 5th Street, Minneapolis. Office 371 out of Apple Blossom Lane, Shakopee, Minnesota. 701 1st Street? 701 North 5th Street. North 5th Street. Very curious with this. Oh, it's Inbound Brewing. Well, there you go. All right. Contract to brew out of, out of Inbound. Um, But yeah, kind of a goofy little uh, logo. Kind of reminds me of like the... the the decal ki- you see on the trucks with the kid peeing on on the whatever. Chevy or whatever, yeah, or like whatever logo they decide to put on there. I used to know that thing's name. Super big in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yep. Um, doesn't matter. You never see him anymore. Also reminds me of the that Spy Kids, like little little yeah. kid with the hat and yeah, yeah, the Troublemaker Studios. That's the name. Yep, their mascot. Uh, but yeah, Unfriendly Ghost Pepper Beer, now that we know where it's from, it uh, says this beer is hot and spicy, made with smoked ghost and chipotle, Marita chili, pep- chili peppers. Smoked uh, ghost pepper? Smoked ghost and chipotle Marita chili peppers. Okay. This pepper imperial blonde ale packs quite a wallop and challenges your taste buds. So... I'm going to start off by saying I don't think I've ever had a ghost pepper beer. I've had no habanero way. beers. I've had, I once put a ghost pepper in a beer. Yep. But, that was uh, a bad idea. I was there that day. Real bad idea. <laughs> Almost sent the other guy that did it home. Yep. Um, and I've also never had an Imperial Blondale. So yeah. I have no idea what I'm getting into. But as we say, let's crack open this conversation. And hey, also worth clean. mentioning. I cracked open the conversation, courtesy of Blackstack Brewing. Uh, stop in if you're listening to this, because they're selling Bic lighters. Actually, I don't... Nope, it is a Bic. Yep. And uh, it's branded with Blackstack's logo, and on the backside it says, Emergency Bottle Opener. Very cool. I love it. I'm not a smoker, but I keep this thing on me religiously, because... You gotta have an emergency bottle opener. Yeah, like that's one of the weirder pieces of merch I've seen, uh, but I really dig it. And also, like a piece of merch that you can get for what was it, three bucks? Yeah, I think like, it's three bucks. I don't know. I think that's fun. That is a dark beer. Well, it's an imperial name. Well, yeah, but it's a blonde. <laughs> no, I know. I thought the same thing. I'm like, damn, that's dark. Looks like an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. All right. Not a super high carb. Ooh. Let's do a little bit. Dribble. dribble. Um, and this ain't the only spicy thing. Today's just all about spice, apparently. Uh, we also bottled our newest batch of uh, Garfield's Inferno, our newest hot sauce. Gold darn, did we? Yep. We're actually we're debating on the name. Um, I want to call it Garfield's Inferno 2 Reincarnation. Just put a little cowboy hat on him. Yeah. Yeah, we should workshop some names. I think that's definitely the front runner right now. That's what I think. Um, Mostly because we haven't given any other names. 
So you know how it's uh, John Arbuckle? Yes. We could do Garfield's Inferno. The roasting of John John's Arbuckle. So that's our uh, our last place contender. <laughs> Gonna put that right at the back of the line. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I just, I'm just I don't saying, really I don't really want to make that graphic. I think that's my biggest concern with it. I'm just saying I don't think we should be like completely set on moving past John Arbuthole Incorporated in some way. I think that should at least stick. <laughs> I, that's actually the the thing I most don't want to illustrate. Oh oh yeah, I don't really want to. Well, yeah. you know, you'd be a little subliminal. You leave something to the imagination. This is uh, we're a classy company. This doesn't have to be pornographic. I don't know how you leave John Arbuckle's butthole to the imagination. Well, you know, it's um, you could just have him like holding his butt with like smoke coming out of his mouth or something. I, I, I mean, I guess. Or his pants mm-hmm. could just be on fire pants could be on fire um we'll we'll workshop that we'll we'll get to that one yeah 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 i think it's a solid contender (laughs) if the content if the other contender was nothing yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah we made a hot sauce we made a hot sauce and uh gonna be i don't know i don't know what we're planning on doing with it just yet i don't know but we got a lot of it what do we end up with 20 bottles yes yeah 20 in the taster yeah yeah so not a huge batch but uh it's got it brings the heat that's for damn sure boy does it wing sauce good wing sauce roasted garlic good amount of citrus lots of habaneros some scorpions right yep got got a little scorpion in there serranos onion lemon basil lemon basil cardamom Mm -hmm. lots of peppercorn lots of peppercorn Honestly, yeah. think we could have gone with more. I just want to see the black, like little black flakes everywhere. It looks great, right? Yeah, I love that look. Yeah, we'll have to to post a photo. I'm pretty proud of this batch. I think it turned out really well. Yeah, and it's just fun how having 20 bottles of hot sauce to do with whatever we want. Oh yeah. Although I do not have room in my fridge anymore. I <laughs> kind of went on a, a tear of collecting hot sauces and. Like, you never, I don't know. It's like this weird thing where, like, I want to try all of them. And, but, like, it's weird, like, finishing a bottle, knowing that, like, you're probably never going to get it again. Mm-hmm. So, like, you always save, like, that last little bit. And so, now all of a sudden, you got, like, five bottles with just, like, maybe a dish's worth of hot sauce. Yeah. It. No, I definitely know what you mean. Yep. Weird problem to have, but uh, I'll hang on to the ones we bottled today till we get them labeled, and then I'll uh, send you on your way with some of my last batch. You can make room. Oh, thanks, sweetheart. Yeah, you bet. That's what I'm here for. Um, so yeah, cracking into this beer. Uh, what do you think so far? Uh, it's it's interesting. It is not what I expected. Um, but I kind of dig it. It's weird. What what was the ABV coming in on that? Is Imperial, but I think ten something. Ten? They had ten percent in this thing. Ten even. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm not getting ten from that, but you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. 
what do you say we dive into our plot summary? <laughs> Wait, you want to talk about Pixar today? I, I would like to talk about Pixar at some point today, Nate. I think we need to give the people what they came for. I suppose we open on New York. Um, yeah, so movie Soul based in New York. Um, present day. Present day, yep. We uh, I think it pretty sure it just opens straight on Joe, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's like a music class. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, because there's that fun intro that they did. Um, like the classic Disney with like the the rainbow thing going over the top, but the music was just clearly being played by like twelve year olds. Yeah, very out like, of tune. Yeah, out of tune, offbeat, pretty hard to listen to. Yep. Um, and I th- they did that joke a couple times, I think. Maybe. Yeah, but either way, it was a it was a weird intro, uh, but we open Joe's teaching uh, a music class. So Joe Gardner is a middle school music teacher, a uh, jazz band teacher. Um, and he is, yeah, he's kind of like trying to encourage these kids to play, you know, trying to, if you ever been in a, a band, or if you ever were in band, especially younger years, it is, <laughs> those people deserve more money because that is a terrible sound to listen to. Oh, yeah. I always felt worse for the... Um, the orchestra teachers though sure there is nothing worse than like that terrible like screeching off note on a violin yeah and you just fill a room with 20 people doing that oh i can believe that but anyway um yeah so joe's teaching his class and he gets uh pulled out of the class by i think the principal yes and uh she offers him a full-time job doing this um teaching and we find out that joe is kind of only doing this job to make ends meet um what he really wants is to be a professional jazz musician um that's always been his dream he's always been working on it there was even like a clip in the um teaching scene where he starts playing on the piano and kind of loses himself Mm -hmm. um so yeah that was actually a pretty good scene worth noting because that character does show up later it's kind of uh yeah, one student in class that just kind of loses themselves in the music. And, um, you know, they kind of get made fun of by the other students for playing when not prompted. And uh, Joe kind of makes a comment about how they, you know, it was a good thing. They're playing from their soul. They're playing with soul. And so then I think he, that's when he kind of illustrates it and he goes into it and then maybe loses himself a little bit. Yeah, and he does that a couple of times throughout the movie. Definitely. Um, just losing himself in the music. Um, just like Eminem. <laughs> just like Eminem. Um, but yeah, so Joe's offered this full-time job, and he seems very reluctant. Yes. Um, so it kind of sets the stage for this isn't really what he wants to be doing. Correct. Um, and then kind of fast forward, he's talking to his mom at a seamstress. Or yeah, she's a seamstress. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to his mom and his mom's super excited because she's been trying to get joe to like get a good job have a nice paying career medical dental all that stuff um and again joe's just not receptive to it um clearly and it also kind of shows in that scene that this is not a new thing joe passing up opportunities to try to pursue his dream no 
Um, his mother seems pretty much at her wit's end the whole time. Um, so we go from there, and he uh, he learns of an opening at in a jazz quartet from an old student of his. Runs into an old student on the street. They get to talking, and uh, there is a famous jazz musician in town, um, Dorothea Williams. So Joe goes and auditions with Dorothea, um, and it kind of, it goes so-so. Like, it, she wasn't blown away, but she's willing to give him a chance to play mm-hmm. in the quartet. Um, and they, so Joe has to be back there by, I think, that same night. Yeah, doesn't she, isn't that when she makes the comment, like, bring a good suit or something like that? Yeah, bring a good suit. Um, so Joe's... Yeah, it was like... Yeah, that's definitely where the time starts, because it was like, that was morning, and it was, yeah, like 5 o'clock that same night. Yeah. Um, so Joe's all excited. Um, you know, he's got a gig tonight with a famous jazz musician. He sees this as, like, his big break. Um, so he's walking down the street. He almost gets, like, a pile of bricks dropped on him, almost gets hit by a car, a couple other, like, near-death things. But, like, he's not paying attention. I think there's, like, a swinging beam that just misses him or something. Yep. Um, yeah, he's just walking on air though. And all of a sudden he falls down a manhole, uh, open manhole. And we pretty much cut right there, um, to like this blackness. Yeah. And Joe's eyes kind of open and then he starts noticing things are a little weird. Don't we get the opening credits that moment when he falls? Don't we get like the soul, the opening credits of soul at that point where he's falling and then it's cup to black and then it's him we realize um i thought you might be right could be wrong but i thought probably probably right there either way though I should, we're should, i should have rewatched the uh the movie probably this week we're both on the same page in the sense that it opens up from blackness and we yep. find out that joe gardner is dead he's dead Dude, and straight up died we have from the second we started talking about this movie to right now, it has been more time than what goes by in the actual movie from the start to Joe Gardner's death. Like, it is three minutes, four minutes, you open, and he dead. Yep. It's kind of jarring. It is. And it's like, I kept waiting for like the first, I think, five or ten minutes after that. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a kid's movie. He's not dead. He's going to come back. And then it's like... About like the thirty minute mark, I'm like, oh yeah, he's just he's dead now. Yep. Yeah, he was just. Uh, well, then there's, there's a pretty heavy scene right after the credit because he's he wakes up on the staircase as like a spirit, like these little <laughs> blue purple thing, like spirit things. Yep. And the, yeah, big staircase into the light. Yep. And he kind of he's not sure but he kind of figures out what's going on it's all old people yeah and so he starts running down the stairs away from the light um trying to get back to his life yep um and then somehow falls off the stairs i don't remember exactly how that went down i think he just jumped off that could be oh yeah because he was getting like pushed yeah forward uh jumps off the stairs and that kind of a cool scene like he's just falling and it's kind of all of these different art styles that he's falling into. Yeah. Like, a bunch of different line work. Kind of a trippy scene. Yeah. Um, and then he 
wakes up in like a, a field or like lands in this weird field, green pasture kind of thing. Yep. Um, so then he, he meets the, yeah, a weird wire figure named Jerry. That's a, is it a counselor or? Yeah. Counselor, I think is the word that they used. But like they, they, I think they use the word counselor and look like that. I think she makes the joke that, like, oh, this is just what your brain can comprehend. Like, I took this form because you wouldn't understand what I was otherwise. Sure. Um, but yeah, so he meets Jerry and he kind of figures out that the place he's in is a mentorship program, like a mentorship, basically preparing new souls to get sent to Earth. Don't they call it like the Great Before or something like that? <sighs> What was the name? There's um, a name for the place, but... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it is the Great Before. The Great Before. Yeah, so there's the Great Beyond and then the Great Before. Um, so basically, yeah, they, this whole area is training new souls, like give, helping them build a personality and then sending them to Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have a mentorship program where these famous or good souls come through and kind of help these new souls get ready. Um, and each soul has like a badge. And I didn't really understand the badge thing because like they all have to go do a thing and then they've got to find their spark. I think it's like, so here's my take on it. And I think, I don't know if it's meant to be fully comprehend because it is a chil children's movie. Like, I think some of it's just like, we're throwing this out there because we can. It's a kid's movie. Suspend disbelief. Yep. But I think this movie within like the first 15 minutes, <laughs> it tells you what the, the in the movie's eyes, the meaning of life is, <laughs> the meaning of death, what happens after death, and where do babies come from? What happens before a life? Yep. And the way it answers all those questions is kind of like blunt and in your face. And then they just kind of move past. And so it's kind of like, all right, after you die, there's literally a stairway to this great beyond. Mm -hmm. You jump off that stairway, you might get to the great before. You know, it might be a little fork in the road. The great before, there's basically, you know, you're just a, a blob and there's counselors and you complete tasks under a mentorship program. And then, yeah, you get the, the earth badge. The Earth badge, but I think then there's trait badges too, right? Yep. And I think so it's kind of in a way like maybe this filmmaker's take on like a predetermined destination was kind of my take. Okay. Not necessarily a theory that I would subscribe to, but like, all right, I can believe it. You know, I think it was kind of like a combated evolution and, and creation a little bit. And they kind of did a good job of just giving their own reason yeah. you know it doesn't particularly feel religious or over sciency it's just pure fiction i think yeah well and I, I think at the beginning too it is kind of made the the way it's all portrayed is it's kind of a a way to throw you off like with the the spark thing so the spark is so they get all all these new souls get all these personality traits and then their spark is like the final thing that they get and yeah. their spark, it kind of looks like their passion in life or something that they're good at. Something, and like it's kind of portrayed at the beginning of this movie where that spark is then that soul's purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and at this point, Joe Gardner thinks and believes that his spark is 
music or jazz and so he's basically searching for a route back to his body at this point yeah that's kind of where he runs into i think he goes to that um he goes to the mentor program well the mentor program but i think specifically he goes to the uh assignment um meeting oh yeah yeah well so the um terry the 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 counselor yep um basically is like oh if you don't want to do this you can go through this door and there's the great beyond you can just go be dead Mm -hmm. um and so he decides that he wants to stick with the counselor program while he devises a way to get back to earth right yeah um and then at this meeting that's where we meet the other main character played by tina fey uh which is uh soul 22 well, yeah, that's where it was the assignment presentation because everyone's getting assigned these souls mm-hmm. or these blobs, whatever. Yep. And, yeah, he gets 22, who we find out has been a problem soul for, like, 200 years or something insane like that. 300 yeah. years. Well, because, like, the numbers for everybody else's soul, because there's a couple people that get assigned before him, it's, like, 4,128 or, like, 5,302 just these ridiculously big numbers and then it's like and here's soul 22 but to me that's where it got like even deeper like i think this movie did a good job of skirting around some pretty heavy issues or making light of them but i mean just with with what we mentioned kind of there um the film is essentially telling us that there is a purgatory before life (laughs) like you are this blob this weird atom this thing floating in some sort of a different existence or dimension before birth and if you don't find a purpose before, like, conception, you just stay there. Yep. And I thought that was kind of unsettling, where it was, like, basically, we find out later that, like, yeah, if 22 doesn't find a purpose... She doesn't doesn't go to Earth. No, it just gets worse, too, like, because, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that, to me, was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, but we kind of learned a little more about 22. 22 is... Just kind of, I don't know, cynical would that be the word? Like, just, she has no interest in going to Earth. Um, Also very, like, hyperactive and untrainable, I guess. Kind of stubborn, doesn't really listen. And, like, basically, uh, you can kind of tell, I mean, I've met people like this, where they're just, They've failed enough times where they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. You know, she's not interested in going to Earth. Um, she's honestly trying to figure out a way where she can skip Earth altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's then Joe and her kind of hatch a plan where she he's going to help her find the spark and then take her Earth badge and then go be able to go back to Earth. Yes. And she was excited about the idea because that means she doesn't have to go. Right. Um, so she agrees to help Joe, and um, he brings her to the, what's it called? The Hall of Everything. Yes. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, so 22 has every other th- like badge checked off except for her spark. She can't find her spark. Um, so she... Yeah, he trying to get her spark. He brings her to the hall of everything. They try a whole bunch of shit. Nothing seems to work. Um, and then they Joe finds out about another way he can get back, 
which is a person um, or kind of a callback to the scene where he was in the zone playing the piano or the girl was in the zone playing her trombone in the music class. Did you mention the individual people that she talked about having mentored her in the past? I didn't. Because I think that pops up right around that same point, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a scene where she's like, you find out that her prior mentors that she's essentially drove crazy to the point where she's had to go back to the great before rather than to earth is like um einstein i think was one of them yep i think um i think socrates was there socrates was one of them and then maybe like wasn't michael jordan or something like there was like a modern athlete michael jordan's not dead eric they wouldn't play who was it it was somebody i thought it was like a basketball oh no it was muhammad ali oh it was muhammad ali because i was like it was someone like one of the best of all time at some sport yeah muhammad ali yeah yeah so yeah you see it's this whole clip show basically of her meeting all of these famous like yeah famous people trying that they're all trying to mentor and she drives them all insane yes yeah um and yeah so kind of joe kind of figures like okay i don't really have a chance but he's trying to get back to his body um but then yeah figures out about the place called the zone which is again where he was playing the piano where um the girl was playing the trombone basically when you kind of lose yourself in your passion it's described as the zone and it's a space kind of between the great before and the real world um so with that gap there um they so they're kind of running around this area and they meet a captain named galleon um galleon is a a a pirate yeah he drives a pirate ship through the sand he's a weird character yeah he um moonwind moonwind that's right moonwind um yeah very very bizarre character um bob dylan also is like his theme song which we can talk about later specific bob dylan song which i thought was very bizarre but um yeah who is he played by um the voice sounded really familiar but i don't um i'll let you go and i'll figure it out all right uh but anyway so he meets uh moonwind and moonwind is a person that is alive but he like is basically constantly in the zone like he's in the zone so often that he's kind of figured out what the zone is and helps people um he tracks down what were they called um like lost souls basically yeah but he's also he's a spiritual sign twirler is what he is and he basically he's one of the few characters that exists like simultaneously between life and death yep like it's kind of like implied we'll get to him later on but like this guy isn't actually dead no he's just a weird like pirate and he's played by uh he's played by graham norton who's uh like an irish tv presenter from like bbc all right um but yeah pretty pretty iconic voice i would say yeah like it's one of those voices you'll hear it and you're like i recognize this um weird character especially for a children's movie like there's no 
everything about this character screams, I do drugs. Yes. And I also, he's like one of the wisest characters we encounter in the whole movie. So it's kind of like soul is, uh, I think pro jazz cigarettes. <laughs> that's a, that's the main message you get from this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they basically, Joe discovers a way through Moonwind that he can go back to his body on earth. Yes. Um, another quick side note that's a little important for, yeah, that's important for later is the reason Moonwind cruises around these dunes is to track down lost souls. Uh, basically people who have become so obsessed with something like a, a, a perverted version of the zone, basically people whose obsession has taken over their life and that's all they can think about. Like he knocks one of them loose. It was a, like a stock trader that was always just, yeah behind his computer and he knocks knocks that person loose sends him back and the person qu quits their job and destroys like the entire office kind of a fun scene yeah you said moonwind did that or 22 moonwind did that remember like that's why they're down there is they're capturing um or they're oh yeah capturing like the lost souls like the big gray monster things yeah but so like yeah, maybe I'll save this for the fun facts. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so they tell Joe there's a way that they can get him back. Um, and they start working on that. And Joe kind of jumps the gun before like the process is complete. And both him and 22 end up going to Earth. Um, but the souls get put into the wrong body. Uh, 22's soul gets put into Joe's body. And Joe's soul gets put into a cat. Um, for some reason, only Joe can understand the cat, or only 22 can under, 22 in Joe's body can understand the cat. Which I can deal with that, because he did re-enter the world at the exact same time. Sure. Um. Yeah, it, it was kind of a weird, like, they, they skipped over some logistics of why this is working, or, um, Eric had brought up earlier that it's kind of weird that Joe's character is now at this point voiced by Tina Fey who's the voice of 22 but everybody in the world hears Joe's voice as Joe yes and every once in a while there are brief snippets where they'll reverse it like they'll cut the the um the background track or any soundtrack and you'll just hear like the barbershop scene we'll talk about in a little bit even though we watching the film are hearing Tina Fey as Joe, there's one particular cut where you hear the cat like meowing like mm -hmm. the cat actually would. Yeah. You know, but as we're watching it, it's really Joe or Jamie Foxx's voice is Joe that we're hearing come through the cat kind of kind of weird, but I think they blend it really well. Yeah. I for think... For a pretty obscure way to like voice characters. It was never confusing watching the movie as to what was going on. No. Or who was talking. No. So that, I mean, props to them because that would be pretty difficult. Be like, oh, this person's now going to be voiced by two people depending on who's listening to that person. Right. Like the scene where well, later on where Joe's talking to his mom or 22's talking to Joe's mom. But like it cuts to Joe's mom listening to Joe and it's jamie fox's voice yeah even though all the way up to that it's been tina fey okay um, Yeah, it's kind of kind of jarring i don't know it's um but i think 
it's jarring at points, but I don't know. They they do a good job with it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to it. Uh, so they're kind of, yeah, Joe's in the body, or in the cat's body, and they remember that Moonwind explained to them or mentioned where he works on Earth. So they kind of escape. Yeah, Joe's, they wake up in a hospital. Joe's in a hospital, was in a coma, whatever. So they escape this hospital to go find Moonwind. Um, and 22's having a real hard time like adjusting to the Earth or adjusting to being alive. Um, so Joe's kind of helping her out with that. They go meet Moonwind, and Moonwind explains that there is a way that he can switch the souls back. Um, and I don't know if he ever mentioned that 22 would get put into the cat, but I just kind of assumed that's how that would work. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they figure out a way. They got to go meet Moonwind uh, right before Joe's concert. So back to Eric's thing. The timing is really weird because we've been watching this movie now for like 40 minutes. But zero time has passed since Joe fell into that manhole, basically. Basically, he got transported to a hospital. But it's still the same day. Yeah. Yeah. The timing's kind of weird when you think about yeah, how much stuff's going on. Um, yeah, so Joe, um, or they proceed to, Joe needs, Joe needs to get his body ready to play the show at the jazz club. Um, so he's kind of walking 22 through how to do all of this. And um, 22's kind of just fighting him every step of the way. Um, there's a scene, I guess I don't, yeah, there's a scene where uh, Joe needs to get it or is trying to like clean up his haircut and accidentally shaves a line through his head. Um, so they got to go down to a barber shop. And this scene's pretty important because it kind of makes Joe, this whole time, Joe hasn't learned, Joe's character has not developed at all. Like there's been like small bits here and there, but Joe's starting to realize that. The way he, now that somebody else is in control of his body, the way he lived his life wasn't perfect. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. He's watching someone else have different interactions in place of him. Which we as an audience are left to think, you know. This whole movie, I feel like, is meant to be like, make you be self-reflective. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like this barbershop is one of those great moments. There's a lot going on. But uh, mind if I take this one? You can take I know this is your favorite scene. Um, so yeah, basically it's, I think it's a really important scene for Pixar because I think Pixar really separates itself from the real world. Most of the time tries to minimize it, tries to bring it down to a kid's level or, um, they really do a good job at personifying objects or, um, other animals, giving them a a human like perspective and take on life. But, uh, in this movie, it really is about the life of a man living in modern day new york city who is kind of going through a personal crisis and just happens to be a person of color as well and this movie does not really um how would i put this i wouldn't say it's something that it really you know hangs in front of you the whole movie or constantly reminds you of Mm. but also you know, it really is about the experience of a black adult, middle-aged adult in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. And so, 
part of that culture is the barbershop. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, you know, when he's told to get a new suit by Dorothea Williams and he has to go get his hair lined up from the accident or whatever, you know, this is a place that he frequents. It's, uh, it's a spot that, you know, he goes to, he knows the crowd, he knows the people there. Um, if you don't have a barber shop that you frequent, you know, think of your, your gas station or your local coffee shop or just anything that's a slice of your life. And um, I think historically part of the American black experience is, you know, rooted in barber shops. And so, yeah, he goes there and a really cool scene takes place where he sits in the chair and he's small ch- talking with all these people there. And it's kind of we get the impression he knows everyone there. And um, is kind of a little uneasy at first because it is 22 Tina Fey in Joe's body. And she refers to her as like the little chainsaw, mm-hmm. the, the Clippers. Meanwhile, Joe is the cat and is kind of losing his shit because he's in a hurry and afraid that his hair is going to get messed up. So what everyone in the barbershop is hearing is just a paranoid guy in a chair with a freaking out cat. And so what kind of happens is 22 and Joe kind of calm each other's nerves and he gets his hair cut. And what proceeds to happen is um, he really shares a lot about himself with um, the barber, which I believe was uh, Curly, I think was his name. No, Curly was the drummer that got him the gig. Oh, excuse me. Um, you're totally right. The barber was uh, Dez, which is uh, played by comedian Donnell Rawlings. Um, great in that role, too. But just a lot of really cool things happening in that scene where they show you that it is the real world. There's a picture of, um, um, I think, Wilt Chamberlain in the background. And a photo of a Tribe Called Quest an album cover on the wall. A Tribe Called Quest, Check the Rhyme, is playing in the background. Um and yeah, beautiful scene where 22 more or less takes control of Joe's body and asks all the right questions and really has a great conversation with um, Joe's barber. And it ends with kind of Joe walking out of the barber shop and, and you know, Des asking him, you know, or Joe asking Des, how come we never talked about your life before today, Des? And he's like, well, because you never asked. Mm-hmm. But also, um, the last thing that I think is really worth mentioning in that scene is there's a really kind of heavy part where there's this guy that's kind of the local curmudgeon at the barbershop who's always just shitting on Joe's life and just the kind of person who, no matter what you say, no matter how good you're feeling, they'll always try to knock you down a few pegs. And um, Joe, from the perspective of the cat, kind of goes, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's just how he acts. Mm-hmm. And 22 just basically goes, oh, maybe you just try to make everyone else's existence really lousy because you never found a true purpose in your own or something like that. And it's just like, oof. And he even says, he's like, damn, Joe Gardner, that's really cold. And he like walks away, winds up, winds up getting haunted a few moments later. But yep. uh, that kind of wraps up that scene. And I thought it's probably one of the more standout moments in that movie and also if you were to just like assemble you know uh, a super clip of the best of pixar i think that scene or part of it should definitely be in there i'd agree with that well and i, I think one thing he kind of brushed over with that scene is 22 isn't like it's not that she's trying to get information out of des or anybody else in the barbershop 
It's more she's just talking through basically like a stream of consciousness. She's just being honest about like all of these thoughts and basically finally opening up to what's going on inside her head. That's a great note. It's really the first time we see like her innocence or her kind of naivete really help a situation. Mm -hmm. You know? Like she's just, again, it's just a stream of consciousness. She's asking like, well, you know, how do I find, or yeah, who knows what their spark is? And what if you accidentally do the wrong thing and you're taking somebody else's spark? And like, how do you know what your purpose is? And Des kind of explains, he's like, he didn't want to be a barber when he was growing up. He wanted to be a vet, but life happened and he loves his job now. So like, it wasn't always his passion, but like, that's what he loves to do. I love his line at the end where he's like, I may not perform blood transfusions, Joe Gardner. But I save lives. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't save lives. I was like, damn. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, but uh, fantastic scene. Um, so we, we exit the um, barbershop and Joe tells 22. Yeah, he kind of like, they get into a little tiff. Like 22's kind of like starting to live life a little bit. Just appreciating small things. And Joe kind of snaps at her. Um, basically saying, like, this is my body. You're not experiencing life. You're not experiencing any of this. You just... You're just doing all of the things. Or the only reason you're getting anywhere is because you're living in my body. The only reason you're enjoying things... Yeah. Uh, he's a r- real heel there. Um, so 22 kind of runs away. And... Then Joe, ch- Joe the cat, chases after her, ends up in this little subway hallway, and um, there's a little trap waiting there. Um, one of the mentors, or not mentors, one of the counselors from the beginning of the movie has been sent on a hunt to bring Joe back. Um, his name, all the, all the counselors' names are uh, Jerry, um, except this one uh terry so terry's yeah he's been on the hunt for a little bit there's a couple fun scenes but nothing too extreme um so they go through um and they find out that 22 has completed her earth badge and everybody's all the counselors are really happy about that because she's been there forever um and joe and 22 kind of get into it again where joe argues that the only reason she had any experience or that she got her earth badge is because she was experiencing Joe's life through. Yeah. She was part of Joe's life. Hmm. She got the spark because he had as a spark. Um, they kind of throw down a little bit and eventually 22 just throws her earth badge at Joe and, uh, runs off. Joe then takes that Earth badge and goes right back down to Earth, um, plays his gig, and kind of realizes it wasn't everything he wanted it to be. It's not that he didn't enjoy it, but he expected to feel more complete at the end of the show, and that's not what he got. Um, and so then he you know, kind of wanders around, starts playing his piano, um, and kind of gets lost in it. And he is then brought to the the zone, that realm between uh, life and the afterlife. Um, 
and meets uh, or sees meets Moonwind back there, and he needs to go find Twenty Two. He's decided that you know it's not fair. He wasn't being fair to Twenty Two, and that he needs to give the Earth Badge back. Um, and they find out that she is now a lost soul. Um, she's running around. Um, her obsession is that she's not good enough, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty damn heavy. But that, I mean. We kind of realize that through a couple different scenes where, like, she just doubts herself. She doesn't think she'll ever be good enough to be on Earth, and that's why she doesn't want to go. Right. Um, so Joe just kind of keeps fighting and eventually brings 22 out of that funk, um, realizing that he even helped cause that. So from there, um, Joe gives her the badge back, and he's says you know or they kind of go through the portal together and he you know they're riding it out together as far as joe can before getting sent back and um yeah so joe's kind of accepted that he's dead he's had his time he's had his moment in the sun and it's time for somebody else but then as joe prepares to go to the great beyond um jerry stops him and offers another chance at life for finally getting 22 to give a chance at life um and yeah that's kind of the end of the movie so joe gets a second chance and 22 gets to live on earth that is yeah that's basically it yeah it's pretty pretty good ending definitely an ending that makes you be like i remember the first time i saw this movie it was still during the shutdown i was laid off Mm mm-hmm or maybe like partially laid off. I think we still had weird capacity stuff at the brewery. But it was like, got done with that. And I was like, man, I need to like, I feel like I need to hit the restart switch on life. Like I've lived a good life, but this movie just leaves you like wanting to start anew, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it kind of opens that way where it's like you follow this character through all this stuff. And then finally at the end, he's like, you know, walks out New York City, takes that breath of fresh air and the world is my oyster. Yep, and I think it's a real nice way to end a movie. It's kind of like your classic, like in the '80s. It was always the the guy gets the girl, you know, action or sports car, you know, yep. into the sunset, golden hour sunset. It's like I feel like this is kind of the Disney version of that, where Joe Gardner really gets his perfect new beginning at mm-hmm. the end of this film. Yeah, he's realized that the the goal he had set for himself is not what makes him happy and he's kind of been ignoring life in pursuit of this goal but then when he finally got the goal wasn't what he wanted it to be right so i mean they never really show you what he goes back to doing but there's maybe a good chance that he goes back and takes that full-time job at the school and teaches jazz and realizes Mm -hmm. that that's his purpose because you know, when they talk about getting your badge, I mean, I think his badge was his teaching badge, right? I, mean, I don't they, know if it showed. They it. didn't show it, but mm. it's kind of like, that's the way I took it, where they're like, your your purpose isn't jazz. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's... Well, and that was kind of the thing, is like, there was that scene with one of the the Jerry, or the Terry's, Jerry's. Yes. With one of the Jerry's, where like he's explaining, like, this was my purpose, that's what my badge was, and the jerry's like well that's a weird way of looking at it like that badge isn't what your life's purpose is it's what something that like sparks 
the will to live. Like, it's not necessarily right. what you live for, but it's something that, like, you understand, like, happiness. Like, it's something that makes you happy. The reason I took it as his purpose to live was to teach. Is there was one scene that we might have just glazed over. There's a few of them. We were pretty mm. thorough with this, but it's a pretty dense movie yeah. in a great way. But um, there's a scene where Joe is in his apartment with 22, and they've swapped bodies, and they're kind of figuring out just game planning, and they get a knock on the door from one of the students, and the student's, like, ready to quit. Yep. And the cat, as Joe Gardner more or less sends 22 out there in his body and instructs him how to handle the situation. And when this whole thing starts it's a student knocking on the the personal home of their instructor telling them i want to turn in my sheet music and my instrument i'm done with this and it ends with like a walk through harlem and the student being like i'll see you on monday mr gardner you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that to me was a moment where like 22 was felt enriched for like the first time and so did Joe. And I think to me that was like, yeah, as much as you think your purpose is to go out there and do this on your own, like it might be to help build the next generation. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what that scene was telling me at least. Yeah. I mean, or just that there's more than one way to be happy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, But I think we covered the plot of this very thoroughly. We're going to say it's a... Th- it's a thick movie. I'm sitting here surrounded by spicy things, Pixar things, and beer things. We got the bottle of hot sauce, Garfield's Inferno, the burning of John John's R butthole, and uh, I'm holding Miguel, a little figurine that Nate found. McDonald's Miguel from uh, Disney Pixar's Coco. Like that toys. I mean, it's honestly kind of impressive the condition I found. I was just out playing frisbee golf, and I found that just laying there. And the articulation for a McDonald's toy? His head even turns. That's what I'm saying. But, like, that toy's pretty good condition for what I'm assuming. I mean, that movie came out in 20... Four years ago? Five years ago? Four or five years ago. Looks looks like I get it out of the package. There's a little dirt on it. But, like, yeah, whoever, whatever small child had this, you know, sorry you lost your toy. There's nothing I can do about it now. I think you should hot glue it to your dash. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I had that on a couple of my old cars. I have a bunch of like like 25 little Marvel die cast guys that are like an inch and a half tall and probably 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just like had a giant Marvel battle sequence on my dash for like two years. Just hot glued all their feet. When the time came to sell the car, topped them all off because it's not permanent. Sure. And uh yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna hot glue anything to my dash. Uh, it would look cool, man, especially in your yeah. nice new Acura. You can you can hot glue that to your dash. I 100 percent will. I bet you won't. I will. I'll have him playing a guitar solo back to back with Macho Man Randy Savage posing. That's it's a pretty good scene. People are gonna be so confused. They're gonna walk by my car and like the work parking lot and be like, "Why is this?" All right, it's just like the generations don't match up. Yeah, well, no, that, I mean that was a scene in Coco. If you missed that scene, I don't know if you're even a fan. Like, why does this guy have a... Uh, never mind. Never mind. Anyways, uh, why do, what do you say we get to the suds portion of this? Yeah, why not? 
we're wrapping up drinking the uh, Unfriendly Ghost uh, Pepper Beer, which is an Imperial Blonde Ale with uh, smoked ghost peppers and Chipotle Merida Chili Peppers. Just plain wrong brewing dot, or just plain wrong brewing co. Um, yeah, office is out of Shakopee. Contract brewed. Sounds like by Inbound. Inbound. Try a little squirt of this before our last review. Yeah, why not? All right. I'll uh, start things off here. I got some thoughts on this one. All right. So, I really like this beer. Do wish it had a little higher carbonation. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet for what it is, but I think that comes from like it just being a boozy blonde ale. The heat's good. It's not overpowering, but it definitely sits in your stomach. Like, it's hot. Yeah, but not on the lips. No, it's it's not something like it's not a hot that would like when something's spicy, you're like shit, I shouldn't eat that again because my mouth hurts. But this is just like a warmth. Yeah, the hot kind of clings to the booze and it almost feels like you're drinking like a brandy and tea, like a hot toddy. It just goes mm-hmm. down warm, even though we drank this like ice cold out of the mini fridge. Yeah. Um, I like it. I'm going to knock it a little bit for just kind of tasting generally flat and really, really sweet. Um, 3.8. And I don't need to defend my review, but I do feel like that to me is pretty high for a super sweet, super boozy blonde ale with a shit ton of pepper. Yep. This is a big bottle for this beer. But I also get that this is probably not their go-to style of marketing this is a nice wrap on a brown glass bottle 22 ounce bottle wax dipped um i i like it man like if a 3.8 if you're listening and that's like oh well you've given fours like no i'd I'd recommend this beer it's just not my favorite pepper beer and there's other 10 percent beers i'd go to before this sure it is it's kind of a weird one. I mean, what I actually like about it being 10% is a lot of times with these spicy beers or like the I mean, the smoke flavor is it's heavy. Yes. Um but what I like about that it or with all of this and it being 10% is you kind of get the bang for your buck. Like I would not do more than 10 ounces of this in a go. No. Um so like kind of makes it worth it. And honestly, that booze was hidden in there. Like, I find myself going back for more and then being like, no, I gotta leave a little bit. This is, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 pre- hot. it's a lot. Um, but no, I'm a pretty big fan. I'm pleasantly surprised. I've seen a couple of their bottles around. Um, but I, yeah, I guess I never really gave it, gave it the time of day. I don't know why I just, I mean, buying a bottle, it's one of those, unless I'm very excited about it, I don't necessarily go for it. Like, it's not like a four-pack or something, even though ounce to ounce is, yeah. It's about being able to drink it 16 ounces at a time. Right. Um, but no, I was very pleasantly surprised by this. Definitely going to probably start buying some more of their stuff. Um, I'm probably going to go a little higher. Uh, 4-2. I mean, again, it's got the heaviness to it, but it doesn't kind of sh- it doesn't show that hand. Um, as always, I could use more carbonation. The smoke flavor is nice, and it actually has the habanero flavor, not necessarily the heat level that that would bring, 
but like as we know with like brewing like the the jalapeno beer we do like brewing the pepper can pull all that flavor out but it's kind of missing the heat like it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand Um, but i think this heat level is definitely more approachable for a lot of people or would be more approachable yeah like this isn't yeah i mean we we spent all morning eating habanero jelly and making hot sauce and drinking and now drinking a pepper beer i didn't even think about the habanero jelly dude that was so good yeah i've so like you mentioned the cream cheese like that to me was like all right my man like Mm -hmm. i grew up with that like your spreading knife your cream cheese your pepper jelly and your cracker yep i've never whipped the cream cheese with the pepper jelly though oh yeah I've always had it like my mom. I think you've seen she makes those granite cheese boards. I think I've seen those. She grabs big pieces of granite. She chisels out square rectangles that are like six inches by 12 inches, puts little feet on the bottom of them, and then you like freeze it and you can pull it out when you're ready to party and you put cheese and crackers and cold cuts and shit on it. Um, she sells them. Check it out. Ginny Anderson. She'll, she'll make you one. Um, but, uh, She's always done it where it's like a bit of cream cheese, a bit of pepper jelly, crackers, and a knife. And you like make it. Make your own. Yeah. I like the whip. I'm a big fan of the whip. It turns it from a dip to like a spread. Yes. Or, excuse me. It turns it from a spread to a dip. Yeah. Because like, I don't know. What's nice about those jars too is like the, the ounces that my, um, it was like my brother and mom that made this whole batch of them. But like. They use the small jars because it's one jar of that, one brick of cream cheese, done. Well, if they got extras, let me know. I will buy a couple <laughs> jars. I'm I'm spoken for three. Spoken for three. Okay. I, I will let them know. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring them some more habaneros. We'll just keep that, keep that train rolling. I'll send them some hot sauce and some cordial if they like that kind of thing. Uh, I shouldn't say the cordial because uh, I think that's illegal. <laughs> Yes. I, I didn't say a damned thing. Nope, not a damned thing. Um, what do you say we uh take a quick break? You know, come back, talk some, talk some soul. I love it. You're the All new right. host. <laughs> hey, that's me. I'm fired. Yep. You want to give him a woo? Woo. Nate will be back after these messages <laughs> from AutoZone. Where are we? In celebration of Dr. Borgensen's body of work, we are pleased to present him this past few weeks, I have seen so many people I'd like to thank, of course. Okay, look, I'm sure your life was amazing and you did amazing things, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand here in silence for a little bit, then we go back out, you say you tried, I go back to not living my non-life, and you go to the great beyond. No, look. Talk all you want, Bjorn. It's not going to work anyway. I've had thousands of mentors who failed and now hate me. Mother Teresa. I have compassion for every soul. Except you, I don't like you. Copernicus. The world doesn't revolve around you, 22. Muhammad Ali. You are the greatest pain in the butt. Marie Antoinette. Nobody can help you, nobody. Thanks, but no thanks, Doc. I already know everything about Earth, and it's not worth the trouble. Come on, don't you want to fill out your path? <sighs> you know, I'm comfortable up here. I have my routine. I float in mist. I do my Sudoku puzzles. And then, like, once a week, they make me come to one of these U-seminars. It's not great, but I know what to expect. Look, look kid, I, I, I'm not... Can I just be honest with you? I'm not Bjorn Borgenstein or whatever his name is. I'm not even a mentor. Not a mentor. What's up, everybody? And thank you for sticking with us. Nate and I are coming back spicy. 
Spicy as ever. Some good conversations. We should hit the record button about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Talking about first vehicles and ambulances and cool Impalas and people that fix them. Car stuff. Car guys. Cars. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, if you're having issues with your car, uh, there's a fine family that can take care of you. An Irish family. This family uh, dates back to... Uh, Early 1800s, where, uh, you know, they used to have this nightly tradition. They'd tell stories and throw back pints of ale, and they'd finish their nights with uh, a nice cruise. And they wound up uh, messing up their cars so much that uh, they figured, well, rather than buying parts from somebody else, we'll just manufacture and sell our own parts. And that family I'm talking about is O'Reilly. For all your auto parts needs... Go to O'Reilly Auto Parts. That's O-O-O-O-Reilly.com. You might be wondering why we're not talking about AutoZone. That's because fuck AutoZone. AutoZone did not throw us a bone. We extended our olive branch and AutoZone said no. We are anti-Suds Buds. We do not want to affiliate ourselves with the filth of your brand. <laughs> and I said, all right, Joe AutoZone. Prepare for me to go on a verbal tirade. On Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar. And, uh... So we got a Spite sponsorship. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yeah, exactly. O-O-O-O-Reilly. Also, the, the first car was 1886. So early 1800s is, you know... Yeah, you know, I figured if I was going to make a drinking and driving joke, you got to bury it in fallacy. So <laughs> And history. And history. Exactly. Drunk history. Drunk history. Yeah. Is that show still going? Uh, maybe it's a great uh, great program it's a fun program yeah please please don't drink and drive sud spuds is a 21 plus children's podcast uh if you're gonna enjoy an adult beverage please make sure you're an adult do it responsibly and do not get behind an automobile or a boat or a monster truck because i know stone cold steve austin listens <laughs> stone cold um, stone cold said so because stone cold said so Let's crack open the conversation. Heck yeah. We've got a nice topical beer. I say topical because we're going to apply it to our skin like an ointment. I'm not, not going to do that, though. Just rub it on Here, yourself. I'm, I'm just, uh, I feel like I should pour my beer after looking at your beer. Okay. You know, the beautiful thing about a hazy is it's hazy, so it can be like all foam, and it doesn't matter because it still looks like a hazy. That's, that's not really how that works. But, but that's sure. what they say. Um, I suppose I should tell the peoples what we're drinking. We are drinking a beer from one of my favorite breweries in the country, Toppling Goliath, (laughs) out of Decor, Iowa. If you don't know, it it never really mattered. Um, This can says, Below the secret door and devilish snare of binds rests the aromatic sorcery of Thyos, the soul hunter's three hellhounds, bound to protect the aromatic sorcery of this fluffy double IPA. The crooks of the matter is now, or is how to set those thiles free. The prophecy has been foretold. That particular hops blended and introduced in harmony will mesmerize the beasts, opening the door and allowing aromas of passion fruit, citrus, and tropical berries to be released. This is an unfiltered beer. Sediment is normal. It is brewed in beautiful decor, Iowa, and it is called the Hell Hunter 
from toppling Goliath. With hand selected, Simcoe. Simcoe, Ka not Cairo, Cryo, and Rawaka Hops, double IPA. It's also called Soul Hunter, not Hell Hunter, but you know, to each their own. Did I say Hell Hunter? You said Hell Hunter. It's Hell Hunter. <laughs> We've renamed their beer to Hell Hunter now? Catch. <laughs> Don't. Oh, okay. I just and threw Nate a beer. An open beer. An open beer. All right. Did not drip on equipment. Nope. Yeah, that looks like a hazy. Well, what do you say I get to some fun facts when mm. we sip on this? Yes, please. So, I'm going to start things off here with this one that I just uh, pulled up as we were chatting. Um, so, how the heck did the New York Knicks end up in a Disney and Pixar Soul movie? So, uh, you can imagine many Knicks fans maybe weren't delighted when, uh, yeah, basically in the movie Soul... Um, 22 has a line that says, check this out. I've been messing with this team for decades <laughs> before the scene shows a basketball player, uh, front rimming a dunk as the announcer says, and the Knicks lose another one. And yeah, basically the fun fact behind this is that, uh, American playwright and screenwriter Kemp Powers, who co-directed Soul, admitted on Twitter that he was responsible for this quip. And he noted that, uh, as a lifelong Knicks fan, uh, he thought he earned the right to poke a little fun at the team. So for those asking, he said, yes, I am responsible for that Knicks joke in Pixar's soul. I'm a diehard, lifelong Knicks fan. Despite their enormous payroll, the last time they won a championship was 1973, the year I was born. I think I earned the right to make that joke. And uh, yeah, got a nice little kick out of that. That was a fun one. It was so, a fun little bit they did. Also kind of weird because it's like 22 had the power to like rewrite real life events. And she just was haunting people basically. Yeah. Yeah. But like usually think of being haunted by like a dead person, not an unborn person. Well, you know, potato, tomato. The dead people were all walking up the stairs. Somebody had to do it. I think it's more like chip cracker. Well, you know, still, still good with dip. Sure. Sure. Uh, did you know Soul was painstakingly difficult to make considering it's a high-profile project? It was a flagship venture that was delayed time and time again by Pixar. In the end, it was released under an exceptional scenario courtesy of COVID-19. The credit roll also states the fact the credits reflect the six-feet-away rule. It is a blink-and-you-will-miss-it trivia fact. So basically, at the end, it says... Uh, yeah, this film was made courtesy of Pixar and its wonderful producers remotely, six feet away, mostly in the Bay Area of California. And uh, yeah, this came out in December, I believe, compared to Onward, which came out in March of the same year. Onward happened just like about a week before the whole nationwide shutdown. Seoul was kind of like the winter after. We were still pretty heavy in it, so this was definitely a right to streaming film mm -hmm. which is how i saw it paid for this one and was very happy about it um did you know tina fey plays the cute and bubbly 22 in soul but ever wonder why her character has such an odd name turns out there's a reason as to why that is uh pixar has released 22 movie movies in total before they release soul so 
This is our 22nd episode. It's our 23rd. Oh, 22 before. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, because each... Oh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, did you know in 2015, a certain meme went viral on the internet? It was a picture of a rat dragging a piece of pizza in New York City. Soul actually has an incredible reference to that meme. In the 2020 movie, there's a scene where a rat is seen dragging a piece of pizza across the street. It clicked after I read this. I thought at first it was a Ratatouille reference, but no, it's just the Pixar's just, picking yeah, up the, on the memes. The, the pizza rat. Yeah. Um, here we go. And did you know, in a previous interview, Kemp Powers, who co-directed Soul with Pete Doctor, stated something very intriguing. It seems Kemp Powers was instructed by the top brass at Pixar and Disney to keep the movie out of controversial topics involving African-American culture. Kemp Powers remained defiant. Instead, he reasoned with the studio to make him do the exact opposite. He said his argument was, you don't hate the Godfather movies or the Sopranos if you're an Italian person. So why can't African-American people not have their own pop culture anchor in the movie Soul? And so, yeah, his kind of argument was, let's not skirt around these issues. Let's kind of attack this head on and make this a very um, uh, uh, black-centric film. And good on. Mm -hmm. I think it, uh, it's better off because of it. Uh, moving along, did you know that Dorothea Williams, the head of the quartet, is played by Angela Bassett in Soul? But a little-known fact is that she also had... Um, a cameo appearance in the 22nd Pixar movie, Onward. It's less of a cameo and more of a reference, but Dorothea Williams' name pops up on the cover of a vinyl record in Onward. It's, it's always kind of trippy when they do that. Like, they've done it a couple times, but where they make a reference to a movie that's going to come out later. Yeah. Like, kind of just shows, like, how far along or, like, how much they've got or their next project. Definitely I mean, fun little Easter eggs. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, like, as we've discussed, how long some of these movies take to make. Oh, like, yeah. Like, it's not like they're just, oh, they finished one, they're on to the next one. No, I got a couple in in progress. Well, and with Onward coming out in March and Soul coming out in December of the same year, I got to imagine they were being worked on extensively in, like, kind of parallel to one another. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, definitely thought that was interesting. Um, did you know inside Dr. Borgensen's Hall of You, it's a weird thing from the film, Nate kind of talked about it, where they walked back, Joe kind of looking into his life, looking inward at all the things that make him. Um, there's a very intriguing statue everyone might have missed. It's an elderly man um, that's uh, holding the hand of a kid and pointing at oblivion. And this is a clear reference to the iconic partner's statue that can be found in Disneyland. It's the Magic Kingdom statue of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse holding hands and pointing. At the castle. Yeah. 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 Noticed it when I was watching it back. Well, and you'll see it when we go to, you know, Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Coming, coming soon to yes. uh, uh, YouTube near you. Um, and finally... Back to Angela Bassett. Did you know that uh, Angela Bassett found the New York that was portrayed in Seoul to be particularly authentic? Um, the neighborhood that Joe Gardner meanders through specifically reminded her of Hell's Kitchen. 
um, area that she actually grew up in. All the restaurants, um, the grates, the subway, all the grime and the dirt, the sensory overload, which is overwhelming, but also wonderful. She felt that it was about as accurate of a depiction as you could possibly have. So I thought that was kind of cool. All right. Look at that. Pixar doing their homework again. Pixar doing their homework. You know who hasn't done their homework? Eric. I got a lot of homework to do tonight. I've been working on it. I've been working on it. I actually recited a speech in front of Nate today. It was mm-hmm. weird, but... Yeah, you know, it worked. It worked. We got some notes. We got some stuff worked out. Got some stuff to work out. Yeah. I'll be okay. I'm going to pass. You're going you're gonna to pass. You'll make it, kid. I'll make it, kid. Don't give up on your dream. Thanks. Um... All right. Tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna do something. Uh oh, we mixing it up here. A little bit. Episode twenty three, and we're mixing it up. I got some music fun facts to talk about. We're gonna take another quick little break, and we will come right back with a final beer review, some music facts on Soul, and our review on the film. And then we'll close things out. How's that sound? All right, all right. All right, all right. All right, all right. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. We'll be right back. Ah, uh, <laughs> reverse psychology. You really are a good shrink, doctor. Carl Jung already tried that. Stop talking! My unconscious mind hates you! What's up, everybody? And thank you for sticking with us. I just rapped for Nate. He did. It was very nice. It was something. I feel very special. He feels very special. Um, we're getting back into it with some music facts. So, American musicians Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails composed an ambient score for the metaphysical segments of the film. Um, while American musician John Batiste composed a number of original jazz songs for the New York City-based segments of the film. So basically the stuff you hear as kind of uh, backing sounds in the great before and the great beyond is um, that's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And then, yeah, the stuff around NYC, that's uh, John Batiste. So. Nice way to separate the two worlds, I guess, is having two composers, different composers score them. I guess three, yeah. but... But just uh, a difference enough where, like, yeah, you're dealing with completely different sounds, fresh ideas for either or. Yes. Yeah. And what an icon Trent Reznor is in, like, the modern day of, like, film scoring. Holy shit. Uh, dude, I, I've seen Nine Inch Nails a couple times, and... <laughs> That man is, even even from hundred like a hundred feet away, like just seeing him on stage. That man's scary. Oh yeah, yeah. That man is intimidating. I put him in like the same boat. I put like Henry Rollins in, or um, I mean Iggy Pops in that boat in like a different way. Like he's a lot older than them, mm-hmm. but like those guys who are like fifth, like they're pushing sixty at this point, but they could still whoop your ass. Yep. You know Iggy Pops. He's, I think, over 70 now. Um, I'm going to look something up quick, but continue. Henry Rollins, I think, is in his 60s. Trent Reznor, I'd put it probably mid-50s. Yeah, guys that are just like, (laughs) you know, chances are you're just going to see them in a black t-shirt and blue jeans, but, you know, they can whoop your ass. Yep. Um, And they still know how to rock. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. 
Reznor and Ross were brought in on the recommendation of sound designer Ren Cleese. Ren Cleese, I think, who uh, had worked extensively with the duo in uh, David Fincher films. So David Fincher is a known collaborator of, uh, or maybe I should say, uh, Reznor is a known collaborator of uh, David Fincher's. So, yeah, kind of one of those things. It's not always about what you know, but who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works even at the the top level. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, um, the song It's All Right in the end credits was performed by Batiste and was originally recorded by The Impressions. It's a song that's been covered a number of times, a um, number of different variations out there. Tempted to close out this episode with one, but I think it's probably going to be Check the Rhyme. So if you like a Tribe Called Quest, stay tuned. I like Check the Rhyme. Yeah. It's always fun when we get to use a song that we'd actually like listen to in our car. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was actually looking back the other day at the sounds of Suds Buds. I mean, I don't know how many people actually engaged with it, but it's a playlist that was um, all of our songs, I think, from the first two seasons of Suds Buds. Mm-hmm. I was going back and listening to that the other day, and I'm like, this is a really weird playlist, <laughs> but it's got some jams on it. I mean, it's. Uh, I wonder if I can pull it up right now. I think it's still um publicly shared on spotify so if you have the spotify app check out sounds um i think it's yeah it's it sounds nosy in that of suds buds and i mean there's stuff on there from joyce maynard dr dre fugazi run the jewels i don't think that's shared publicly because i don't have I've got the the smooth sounds of Suds Buds, but that's the uh, when we had Pro Strats on. It looks like it's public. Oh, I can't find it. It's not listed as private. Let's see. That's just going to be all the episodes. Playlists. Nope. Unless your name's uh, Luke McConkey. Can you look up the name Squatch? Squatch. It's under Squatch. Listed under Squatch. I'd like to get this figured out. Well, you, you keep doing your thing. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can track it down. All right. We'll get you there. It's a it's a playlist worth listening to, and I think there's probably like 24 or 25 songs. About an hour and a half. Um, anywho, a um, couple of fun songs featured in this film. Usually Pixar doesn't have a lot of licensed music if it is like a music from a big studio it's made specifically for that film but in this we hear a number of songs um the first one is subterranean homesick blues which is by bob dylan and that's kind of the song of uh um moonwind it's the song that's plays while he's uh driving his pirate ship through the sand we've also got check the rhyme by a trap called quest one of my all-time favorite bands probably my all-time favorite hip-hop group um yeah, that barbershop scene. Part of the reason that hypes me up is just because of that song, but uh, I'm biased. But uh, yeah, that's basically what I got for the music facts. It's kind of a movie all about music, or at least that's a big plot point. Is so. Somebody sent me something. Gotcha. I'm okay. sorry. I'm well, sorry. Let's keep it I'm professional. Sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. I couldn't find it, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, Sounds of Suds Buds playlist coming soon. We'll put together a Pixar one too. And we're coming down to the end, which means... We got one more. We got some work to do on that spreadsheet. 
we do. Um, well, let's not fret about that now. There's a little bit of beer to be drank yet. What do you say we take a sip of this and rate this bad boy? Oh, yeah. So, again, we are drinking uh, Soul Hunter from uh, Toppling Goliath, the double IPA um, with selected Simcoe, Simcoe Cryo, and Rewaka Hops. Rewaka. Rewaka Hops. Um, I'm going to be honest, it's, it's fine. Like, it's not jumping out at me as any special kind of hazy. Like, it's a hazy, but, like, it doesn't set itself apart from a whole lot. No. 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 Like, I wanted to like it a lot, and I don't mind it for the style, but, like, nothing's special. I guess I like that it's not as heavy of a body as a lot of hazies can be. Yes. Um, it's fairly light and it finishes fairly clean. Sure. But as far as hot blend goes, been down this road, you know, not new territory. Um, so I guess for the style, I'm probably just going to go middle of the road three. Took the words out of my mouth. I'm going three. It's uh, same reasons. Couldn't say it better. Uh, it's another hazy. And yep. it's a boozy one. Yeah, well, it's a strong one. What does it even come in at? I it's not it posted. That's not posted. No. But I gotta imagine, I mean, I could probably look it up. Um, You're talking a double. What's the name on this guy? The the Soul Hunter. Stay tuned, everybody. We got uh, I'm gonna go 9% is my guess. I'm gonna go 9-5. Are we playing Price is Right rules? Yes. Excellent. Oof. Both lose. Both lose. Seven eight. Seven eight for a double? Yep. Okay. Seven eight, so isn't there doesn't there single come in? Whatever. And that's courtesy is of uh untapped. Let's see, I can check real quick what it's at on Beer Advocate, but I'm guessing it's probably the same. Seven eight, yep. Alright. So there you go. Um Soul Hunter, Toplin Goliath, if you like hazies, might be your thing. Mm. Middle of the road for the Suds Buds. It's a fun can. That's yeah. about all I it's, got for it. The artwork's well done. Yeah. Um, real shiny teeth. I like that it's the uh, the teeth are cut out so you get the silver from behind the label, um, but everything else is matte, yeah. which is always fun. But yeah. Um, I don't know average well you want to talk about something that's not average let's talk about it the movie soul let's give you something to talk about here's something to talk about about soul i really like this movie i like it i like it a lot um it's moving up the leaderboard it's a top 15 film top 15 out of 23 it's a top 10 film. Top 10 film. I might have to say it's a top 5 film. Ooh, we're getting spicy. But it's not number 5. It's not number 5? It's not number 4. Not number 4. Is it number 3? Maybe. It's not? 
Ooh, not number three. Okay. What do you think about number two, mm. Nate? Ooh. Number two is a good spot, right? Well, see, at this point, you've, you've thrown me through the ropes enough times. There's no way it's number two now. Yeah, I mean, number two is a good spot, but this is a better than good film. This is a great film. I'm putting it at the number one spot no. of my Suds Buds film rankings. Ooh. Roll out the red carpet for Joe Carpenter, Jamie Foxx, and 22, Tina Fey, the unlikely duo that was inspiring and funny and witty and charming and evoked all the emotions over the two hours of this film a little bit less um number one spot takes the place of ratatouille it's also above the incredibles which is now number three and so yeah my top three i've got soul ratatouille the Incredibles, and then Toy Story, bringing it up with number four. All right. Um, I feel really good about it. I really like this movie. I think it's a great movie for both children and adults. I think uh, Disney hits the nail on the head with this one and their kind of take on death and capturing it in a light way, but also, you know, giving their own meaning to life. But also, like, they, I talked about earlier how they kind of created their own world within the real world but when all is said and done it's kind of a ambiguous ending you know it's yeah whatever you make of it and i think the ending is that of such that encourages people to go out and take a breath of fresh air and experience life without any um you know maybe expectations or I don't know. To me, it's like the end of the movie is like the doors open, the sun shines in, and it's, uh, you know, go out, seize the day, and have an adventure. Start anew. Start anew. And I love that feeling. Um, Joe Gardner, I don't think, was a bad guy when we were introduced to him at the beginning of the film, but he seemed kind of sad and kind of depressed. And so it's cool that, you know, when all's said and done, we're left uh, seeing him having the opportunity at a new start and a fresh beginning. So number one film for me, I would watch this many a time. I also love Ratatouille and I love the Incredibles. It's a tight top three. I mean, this is like a photo finish might get rearranged by next week when we release our final rankings next week or the following. I was going to say, we're we're not, yeah, we don't want to readjust. Then we're not going to get to talk about Luca. I'm very excited for that movie. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's um I feel good about where it's at and um yeah, I'm glad we got to watch this and talk about it. Yeah. Um it's not uh not quite gonna be, you know it's still top tier for me, but um I'm putting this in coming in at number six. Um I really did enjoy the movie, um but I was just lining it up with like the other things I got on the roster. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to come in right behind Monsters, Inc. Um, I think the thing with this movie that I wasn't as big into was, it. I mean, when it really boils down, it's a body switch movie. Body switch movie that I've seen a bunch of times, like, they're kind of learning to... It's not necessarily learning to walk in each other's shoes because 
he Joe's not learning anything being in the body of a cat. But like most of the meat and potatoes of this movie come in at that point. Um and so I don't know. I've seen yeah, there's a number of infinite number of body switch movies. Actually, a really good one that just came out is Freaky. Um it's got uh what's his name? Guy who always plays those buddy comedies with Owen Wilson. Um Vince Vaughn. That sounds right. Um yeah, kind of tall guy, square head, rectangle head. Sounds like Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Uh he's he was just in a body switch movie called Freaky. Uh horror movie. It is pretty fun. It is a fun one. Um, yeah, it's Vince fun. Yeah. Good way of describing him. Tall dude with a square head. Yeah. I mean, that's friends with Owen Wilson. Like, what else do you need? Um, I did I did really like it. Uh, but I think for Pixar movies, I kind of look to, like, see a new interpretation of a world. Like, that's kind of, yeah. Or a new world or a new interpretation of it. And with this one, I... I, you get it, but not as, I don't know, not as much as I'd like. Um, you know, most of the movie took place in New York. I got nothing against the story, but as far as Pixar, I don't know. I didn't. If it wasn't so damn good, it would be much lower on my list for what I got. But it was a very, very well done movie for what it was. It's kind of hard to describe, like. Pixar for me is like kind of taking us into a new world, seeing it from a new perspective. And I didn't really get that from this movie, if that makes sense. That's fair. But I did, I did like their interpretation of the afterlife. Um, and that's what like overshadows everything for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, that was so good. Like I, you definitely have me thinking when you talk about like, the body switch element and how it's a little tropey, but I think I realized like over the years that tropes are okay if if you really nail it. And, yeah, if and it's like self aware. Yeah, if the story is what it like doesn't even necessarily have to be origin original an I or original idea, original trope or whatever, as long as all of those elements did need to happen. I mean, Joe wouldn't have learned without being able to see his life from the outside. He wouldn't have learned anything about himself. Right. And that was kind of the thing. He was so forced into this spot, like by his own hand, but he was so forced into becoming a famous jazz musician that he couldn't even, he couldn't get outside that to see like, he's not appreciating life. To the fullest and so watching him watching somebody else walk a day in his shoes kind of made him realize that and that's when he like developed as a character because again he was pretty much the same until he was put in the body of that cat yeah like nothing changed for him and yeah, honestly it was even slow to build from there but right. he kind of realized as 22 was basically saying all of these things that joe i mean like joe would say things to 22 and 22 would just blurt them out right and then all of a sudden people are real like so it seems like joe's saying that and it kind of opens up these new avenues that he didn't really know was there so i think they did a fantastic job with it 
But again, with Pixar movies, I guess I kind of look for a little more like new interpretation on the world or a new world altogether. Like a yes. little, a little more fantasy involved, I guess. Yeah. No, totally. And I'm not coming at you rating at all because oh, I think oh. yours is still pretty. I just Soul was super highly rated by like a lot of people, and it was one of those like I kind of felt weird about the review, but I needed to like, kind of justify it. I see, and I feel the opposite. I feel like my review is like the outlier. I feel like putting it at the number one of these films, I'm definitely the one who seems crazy. Mm-hmm. But well. I have an appreciation for it that it's like a standalone film. I think, you know, Joe Gardner's maybe not the character for a Pixar park or like the inspiration for a ride, but I do think he might be one of the most relatable characters that Pixar's ever presented to an audience. Um I mean, most Pixar characters are like and most Pixar characters are an emotion. Like we've talked about like Woody yeah. and Buzz. Like Woody is jealousy essentially. Right. Um or um, Remy is, I mean, Remy is basically just, he is that part of Joe's brain that just, this needs to be how it is. Like, it, Remy's, yeah. Well, Old that's a great example. Spark was becoming a chef. And, like, I loved that example because what's the name of the chef that Remy, like, is under the hat of? Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, bu- bu- it's gonna bother me when the, when I hear it. Why can't I think of it? Yeah, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, Alfredo. Uh, Alfredo Linguini. Oh, that's right. Horrible name. Yeah, but like Alfredo, it's a character we can relate to, but he doesn't really act like a real person. But mm-hmm. Joe, for the most part, like, other than when the body switch happens, like, he's pretty real world. He's, yeah. He's a, he's a real guy. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just animated. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe that's not a great reason to rank this film super high, but I like the realism of it. I like how relatable it is. I like the, um, kind of, uh, wide net that it casts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very broad brush stroke, and I think it does it well. Um, so, yeah, number one for me, number six for you. Yep. Um, 3.0 for the Soul Hunter from Toppling Goliath. Uh, 3.8 from me and a 4.2 from you on the uh, Friendly Ghost. Unfriendly. Unfriendly Ghost. Unfriendly Ghost. Pepper Beer from just plain wrong brewing and i think all that being said this is another episode of suds buds in the books um if you enjoyed what you heard today you can check us out on instagram at suds buds pod that's s-u-d-z b-u-d-z p-o-d and uh yeah if you got any questions or suggestions beer recommendations general appreciation notes or critiques send them to us at s-u-d-z b-u-d-z p-o-d at gmail
com. Kind of like listening to a child like learn how like trying to spell out a word for the first time. Yeah, thanks, Nate. <laughs> it's because I've botched it so many times that I want to get it right, and I did both times. Hey, I worked my way through it. I sounded it out. Fuck off. So, sounds like some of that hot sauce is rubbing off. You're getting a little spicy. Here, yeah, I, I might have touched my eyes. Yeah, there you, you go. You want to send the people on their way? Sing them a little tune. <laughs> Some, um, some old man river from ooh, Nate. Old man river? I do old man river. I don't think I can do old man river. What do you got? I got nothing. All right. Yeah. Nate's got nothing, and uh, I've given you all I got. So take it easy, and we'll catch you next time. Check the vibe. On the boulevard I landed We used to kick routines And the presence was fitting It was I, the abstract And me, the five-footer I kicks the mad style So step off the frankfurter Yo, Fife, you remember that routine That we used to make spiffy Like Mr. Clean Um, um, a tidbit Um, a smidgen I don't get the message So you got to <laughs> okay. run the pigeon you're on point, Fife All the time, Tip You're on point, Fife All the time, Tip You're on point, Fife All the time, Tip So then grab the microphone And let your words rip Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. I'm like an energizer cause you see I last long. My crew is never ever whack because we stand strong. Now if you say my style is whack, that's where you're dead wrong. I slay that body in El Segundo, then push it along. You'll be a fool to reply the fight is not the man. Cause you know and I know that you know who I am. A special shout out piece goes out to all my pals, you see. And a middle finger goes for all you punk MCs. Cause I love it when you whack MCs despise me. They get vexed, I will next can not contest me. I'm just a fight MC who's five for three and very brave. On top remaining, no home training, cause I misbehave. I come correct in full effect of all my holes in check. And before I get the butt, the gym must be a wreck. You see, my aura is positive, I don't promote no junk. See, I'm far from a bully and I ain't a punk. Extremity of rhythm, yeah, that's what you heard. So just clean out your ears and just check the word. Check the vibe, was so rumping that the brothers rolled the zap. Hey yo, Tip, do you recall when we used to rock what? those fly routines on your cousin's block? Um, let me see. Damn, I can't remember. I'll receive the message and you will play the same. You're on point, Tip. All the time, Fife. You're on point, Tip. Yeah, all the time, Fife. You're on point, Tip. You're all the time, Fife. So play the resurrector yeah. and give the dead some life. Okay, if knowledge is the key, then just show me the lock. Got the scrawny legs, but I move just like Lou Brock with speed. I'm agile, plus I'm worth your while. 100% intelligent black child. My opera presentation sizzles the retina. How far must you go to gain respect? Um, well, it's kind of simple. Just remain your own or you'll be crazy, sad, and alone. Industry rule number 4080, record company people are shady, so kids watch your back cause I think they smoke crack, I don't doubt it, look at how they act, but off the better things like a hip hop forum, pass me the rock and I'll score them with the corn and proper, what you say hammer, proper, rap is not pop, if you call it that then stop, 